The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, too, the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Right, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left is one of uh, Bradley's uh, educational videos, uh, Behold the Lamb of God. You can still check that out up until 3 p.m. Eastern today. At which time I'm assuming he's going to be, he's going to be on. I could be wrong, but if he's not, if he is, he's going to be in that little area. If he's not, then we'll have an educational video up. Okay. Uh, there on sonsoflibertymedia.com on the right side of the page. That's where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up, whatever device you've got there. And then look for the rumble icon in the bottom right hand corner. Click on that and you can join us in rumble uh, chat over there. A lot of friends over there this morning, even though I think, you know what? Um, Rumble is going the way and has been going the way of all the others. It'll eventually end up just like the others. I sent Bradley a, uh, a little image yesterday. I probably could, uh, pull it up just so people could see it, but <clears throat> unless I completely deleted the thing, which I may have done as well. Um, but the, the ties here with Rumble, let me just bring this up here for you guys to see. Uh, who are watching this. These are the ties that Rumble has. I mean, and you see what gets promoted on the front of Rumble. Now, I like the platform like I like YouTube, the, the platform, the way it's supposed to work. But anyway, this is, this is some of the stuff that we're going to be dealing with in the days ahead. And why? It's because the people still haven't learned how to push back and the reality is, is that they are, they're caught in this thing. Many, many Christians think, well, they're doing all this bad stuff, but there's nothing we can do. And Jesus is coming. So there's no need to fight, you know, polish the brass on the sinking ship thing. Right. I mean, that's, that's how certain people think. And um, yeah, it, it, it creates all kinds of problems. Anyway, anyway, we're going to be talking today about 
the transdelusion problem and the remedy to it. Okay, so we're going to get to that in just a minute. That's where you go to on Rumble to see that. We are streaming live to Rumble on Sons of Liberty Radio Live and also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And we appreciate those guys giving us a spot. Right up on where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for an email newsletter. Uh, please do that. And um, you'll get that between 7 and 8 Eastern tonight if you sign up before that time. And that'll be all the articles we have on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, including the Morning Show Archive. That'll be up there then. And then finally, if you agree with our message, you'd like to help keep us out there. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the show. It doesn't cost you anything to go to the website or see Bradley in person or any of this other stuff. Uh, but if you'd like to help support us because it does cost to go do the do all these things, there's a donate button at the top of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can click on that and make a one-time donation or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And uh, we do appreciate you very much. Now, I want to I start off with this, okay? This doesn't have anything to do with the trans delusion. Bradley sent me this yesterday. I think he sent it sort of as a tongue-in-cheek. But I got to tell you, I don't know who this guy is. Maybe some of you know who he is. Um, but he doesn't have a beard. I'm telling you that for what he says here. And he doesn't have any hair. And it looks like the only place where the hair grows is the very back of his head. Now, I'm not, I'm not picking on people about that. You know, you had, uh, was it Elisha had, you know, he had a bald head and the kids, the young men went out mocking him going up bald head and he turned around and pronounced a curse on him and two she bears came out and ate him. Uh, so I don't do that. And mine's thinning out on the top too. But this is a, this is a preacher. Hold on to your seats here because this gets ridiculous. If you thought the guys who misinterpreted 1 Corinthians 11 about long hair and that it has something to do with the length of a man's hair were off base, and they are, listen, I, you, you just, you, you have to, you really have to hear it for yourself. Take a listen. Today, you walk in some of them, there's more beards in there than there are out in the street. Beards, not beer. I'm going to tell you something. Facial hair is not apostolic. However you want to cut it, it's compromised. I don't care if your leader says you can wear a beard, honey. Beard's nothing more than pride. You're not going to be dipped in Holy Ghost oil and run around looking like the world. We don't need beards. We need more oil. We need more Joe Ashes. We need more people in an altar. We need more prayer rooms. We need more people digging into the things of God. You can look in the recipe of anointing. You'll never find beards, Brother Epley. You can look in the recipe of Now, I'm just going to tell you, this guy is a false teacher. If you're listening to this guy, I don't even know what his name is. He is a false teacher. All right. Kelly cancellation, as you know. Oh, my goodness. They switched over. Sorry about that. Um, this guy's a false teacher. To say that nobody, nobody that I know thinks because you have a beard or any of that other, that somehow that makes you anointed or more spiritual or any of this. This is just goofy. It's just, but this is what's being preached. It's things like this. They may not be this, but they're irrelevant things that are being preached in many churches. 
that have no impact upon the Christian faith, upon the people, or upon the culture, for that matter. Okay? None at all. This isn't a solution. By the way, Jesus did have a beard. He was the Messiah, which means he's the Christ, which means he's the anointed one. And this guy goes, oh, there's no anointing with the beard. Well, Jesus had a beard, and he was the anointed one. So he's a false teacher. This guy needs to repent. But this, look, this isn't new. I think I told you guys, I went to what was known, what is not, I guess it's still over there, Cramerton Christian Academy when I was in junior high school in Cramerton, North Carolina. And when I was there, if you're a boy, and they, we did know what boys and girls were, we knew the distinction, they'd take your hair and pull on it to see if it touched your ears or the collar of your shirt. And if it did, you had to go get a haircut. And if that meant you were getting a haircut every week, that's what you were doing. And then they made us go to one of their, their services each year And you go in there, and all of the men in the choir either are clean-shaven or they have a mustache. None of them's allowed to have a beard and be in the choir. Yeah, this was in a free-will Baptist church. That's all I'll say about it with a little smirk. In a free-will Baptist church. They've already got their doctrine of salvation completely backwards, all right? But you go in there and you go, where is this in the scripture? You can wear a mustache, but you can't wear a beard? What's going on here? These are, I'm telling you, these are the Pharisees of the day. They're making up laws and rules and pretended legislation unto themselves to try to justify themselves somehow. I'll I'll guarantee you, this guy, it isn't just because he's bald and can't probably grow a beard. The problem is internal to him. And he wants to take something that has nothing to do with spirituality and he wants to make it some kind of self-righteous thing before God. That's what he's doing. Same thing happens with the people who preach on the length of hair. Same thing. Same stuff. It's to justify self. And that's going to be part of what we're going to roll in here to today because, you know, we're going to look at several things here about the trans delusion that's going on, whether it's transhumanism, trans quote-unquote gender, any of this stuff. But specifically, we're going to focus on those who think they can actually change their gender. They are under a delusion. They really are. Let me give you this, and this is a first. This We, we put this out yesterday, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Leftist Minnesota just gave state power to take kids away if parents don't approve gender surgery. Minnesota just gave state power, which they don't have. They don't have power to be taking your children in the first place. You're the parent. God gave them to you. Psalm 127, 128. God gave them to you. He did not give them to the state. And I'm going to tell you, even if you're you're caught up in the birth certificate stuff and all that, he still gave them to you. It's your responsibility. This is from sonsofliberty.com. Uh, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Hank Berrien writes at the Daily Wire, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz on Thursday signed into law a bill making this the state a sanctuary for children, including those from out of state seeking gender-altering surgery without the consent of their parents. The new law gives state courts temporary emergency jurisdiction over any child, any child in Minnesota who's been abandoned, 
is in need of protection from abuse or has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care. The law defines such care as, quote, medically necessary health care. So <clears throat> they won't treat you if you haven't had the convid shot, if you have you know, a heart condition, a uh, liver issue, lung issue, or some kind of serious thing. They won't treat you if you hadn't had the shot. But if you're a kid and you can't follow through on the, the gender confusion that you've been turned over to, because I'm going to tell you that's what Romans 1 says, and your parents or other, P other adults have encouraged you in, well, then you can get medically necessary health care or mental health care that respects the gender identity. Well, that's not really mental health care, is it? That's just affirming you in your delusion. As experienced and defined by the patient, end quote, and specifically cites puberty blockers and chemical and surgical procedures to align the patient's appearance or physical body with the patient's, patient's gender identity. So notice what they're saying here. For those, and, and I want, if, if you are out there and you are a part of the trans delusion crowd, okay, this show is not about bashing you. I'm not trying to do that. But what I am going to show you is what the truth is, what people should be showing you, what they should be telling you if they love you. If they don't love you, they'll just affirm you in your fantasies and your delusions, okay? But notice what they say here. It is to align the patient's appearance not to change their gender, to align their appearance or physical body with their gender identity. That's kind of key. <clears throat> All of those who are seeking puberty blockers, surgeries where they say it's a, a gender transition surgery, it's not. It's not. It's, an, it's a mutilation of your body. It is to turn it into something it was never intended to, to turn it into. And it, in the end, it does not change you from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. It gives you the appearance of that, but it doesn't actually change you. It's just to affirm you in your delusion and make money at your expense. You're being exploited. You're being exploited by wicked men. Okay? So, let's go, go back to uh, what's going on here. Democrat Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, uh, I think Bradley's been covering her a couple of times, or him, I don't know. It, it, she, the woman definitely looks like she has male traits, but anyway, never mind. She says, we just signed the Conversion Therapy Ban, Reproductive Freedom Defense Act, and Trans Refuge Bill into law. It's pretended law, by the way. In Minnesota, we're building a state where everyone is safe to be who they are, love who they love, and live without fear of violence and discrimination. In other words, not live without the fear of God. That's what they're wanting to do. Live without the fear of God. And, uh, of course, there's some, there's some documents on this. I meant to bring this up here. Uh, they're showing... Um, some of the things that are going on. The child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care as defined in section, and they list this out. But, you know, here's, here's their legislation. Now, this is going on in the state of Minnesota, and you can, guarantee, you can guarantee this is going to be going on in other places. Okay? I've got several videos. I, I you know, I, I kind of want to just play each of these. Some of these we played before, but it kind of to kind of build it 
And then I want to give you the biblical response to these things. Because in all honesty, the Constitution doesn't even address this. It, it, didn't, it doesn't even speak to this. Why? Well, because of things that we read before. I mean, they dealt with sodomy. If they dealt with sodomy, which is a, an attack on the very natural order that God has set up, men with men, women with women, when they, when they do that, um, they're affirming all the other stuff that comes behind it. Any of these sexual perversions, they're, they're affirming that they're bad, that they're wrong. William Blackstone was one who said, this is such a detestable thing. You know, we, we don't even talk about this stuff. Scripture says that too. We're going to read that in just a little bit. But this is, um, th this is where we're at to where, e you know, God bless Nancy Mace on this one, all right, <laughs> on this particular thing, where she's talking about this transdelusional stuff. Take a listen. Is rhetoric on social media a problem and a threat to our democracy, Mr. Ward? It's not a democracy, but... Yes, absolutely. Mr. Siegel. Yes. Ms. Caraballo. Yes. Ms. Nomani. Yes. Ms. Tyler. Yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> another question I have. Uh, do you believe that rhetoric targeting officials with violence for carrying out their constitutional duties um, is a threat to democracy, Mr. Ward? Mr. Siegel. Yes. 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 <clears throat> All right. Thank you very much. Only a few weeks after the attempted attack on a Supreme Court justice on June 25th, one of the witnesses, Alejandro Caraballo, tweeted out the following in response to a decision on abortion overturning Roe v. Wade. And I'll quote directly from the tweet. The six justices who overturned Roe should never know peace again. It is our civic duty to accost them every time they're in public. They are pariahs. Since women don't have their rights, these justices should never have a peaceful moment in public again. I know something about being accosted. The night of January 5th, I was physically accosted on the streets of D.C. in Navy Yard by a constituent of mine. Okay, all right. So what I want to do is, okay, she's dealing with the issue of abortion here and the threats against the Supreme Court judges. Now, the vast majority of people who support the murder of the unborn, which is what abortion is, uh, also support the transdelusion stuff, and they support the sodomites, and they support the all the other letters that they're tacking on and the colors in their flag that they put on. They're all in the same bunch. They're all, they're all these reprobates, and there they're really are a small number, but there's a larger number than them who are kind of, let's just go along to get along, live to live and let live kind of thing. And when push comes to shove, they'll, they'll side with those guys rather than with the law. Okay. So she's talking about this and all these people say free speech is on online is somehow a threat to democracy. One, we don't have a democracy. I mean, we use democratic processes to um, elect representatives. We use democratic processes in, with the representatives and their votes. Those are democratic processes. There's no doubt about that. But the republic is supposed to be about law. The law is what determines, not the majority of people. If the majority of people decide, you know, we, do, we want uh, 
to to just let transgenders run loose. We want to let sodomites dance in the street and perform their vile acts in front of children and, and drag queen story times. Well, then we can do that. See, that's democracy. That's democracy at work. If that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. And, and if it flips over, stop and think about this for these guys who want to promote democracy. What if God were to awaken his people, really awaken his people, and make those people who were not his people, his people, through the gospel of Jesus Christ? What if he were to do that, and all of a sudden, the hue and cry came from believers who stood and said, no, this is wrong, we'll not have it again. These people would be crying like a bunch of banshees. Because they would say, you're taking our rights. Yeah, but you want a democracy, right? And the people have spoken. And I think the people have spoken. I don't even think we have to go down to the scenario I have. I think many people are just against this stuff. They know how vile it is. They know how wicked it is. So here's these, here's these different things that are going on here. And there is a... Um, it's not just Minnesota. Take a listen to this. This is um, Children's Hospital admits to performing hysterectomies on trans minors. Minors, not adults. Okay, you usually hear about hysterectomies. And I personally, I question whether they're necessary or whatever. I, you know, Kate could probably speak to that. In fact, I think she has spoken to that on Saturdays. But here they are um, talking and admitting to performing hysterectomies hysterectomies on trans minors. Take a listen to this. Thank you for calling National Hospital. Your call may be reported for quality assurance. I was calling uh, for information about gender affirming hysterectomies. Okay, so gender affirming hysterectomies. I've been in touch with quite a few hospitals um, and a lot of them, well, they said they won't do it for for my 16 year old um and then i was told that this hospital might and i also saw it on your website um so if you guys do uh do it for a 16 year old I'll, i would be happy for you know to come for a consultation or whatever it takes let me get you over to the operator and i hate to transfer you i just i just need to want to know if if you guys do service that age you know before obviously before coming, you know, coming all the way for an in-person consult and going through all the paperwork well, and everything. Yeah, it depends. And each department is different. Some some departments cut off at eighteen. How old how old is your patient? Sixteen. Okay. All right. So they're in the clear. I'll email the um got the call and see what we can. Do. Right. In the meantime, if you still want me to transfer you, I still transfer the surgery. Hi, I was calling um, because I'm looking for information about the gender-affirming hysterectomies that you guys offer. Am I in the right place? Um, okay. Yes. Um, this is the clinic. Did you want to make an appointment? So I was just wondering, I've, I've contacted quite a few hospitals already. Um, it seems like it's difficult to find one that does the operation um for my 16 year old and i was told that you guys do do that um so if you do it for 16 year olds then yes i'd love to schedule um an appointment a consultation whatever you need if, if you don't mind me asking um what is your child gender changing to so i can point you to the right direction 
Yeah, well, he transitioned to a uh, male. You know, he already had the top surgery, um, and now we're looking for the hysterectomy. Okay, beautiful. So I'm going to transfer you to the GYN nurse line. One of the nurses will give you a call to give you more information and to let you know the steps and the protocol that they do for that, okay? Okay. So so they do so they would do it um for at for that age? Yes. Okay, great. Is it a common procedure that you guys do for for that age? Yes, um we have um all different type of age groups that comes in for that. For the gender for the hysterectomy? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Just out of curiosity, do you know, like, what's the youngest age you would do it on? I'm not sure, but I have seen younger kids. And I'm not, you know, due to hip, I'm not allowed to say that, but I have <laughs> seen younger kids, like, younger than your child. Get the gender-affirming hysterectomy surgery? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, okay, I really appreciate your help. Okay, if anybody doesn't see that this is eugenics, it's just wrapped up in a different packaging. I don't know how to help you. The woman's calling saying she, she's wanting a gender-affirming hysterectomy on her 16-year-old daughter. The woman at the hospital is saying, oh, you're in the clear. It's okay. We can do that. In fact, we've done it on kids younger than that. What is that? It's sterilizing them so they can't have any more kids. I mean, that is what's going on here. And um, apparently, hospitals just just fine with it, just fine with it. And you know, let me let me just go over here. You know, in Genesis one, we read this on Saturday. We read that God made male and female. He gave them commands: you be fruitful, multiply. You can eat of all the things that are in the garden, and don't eat of this one tree over here. And then we come to Genesis two. We have sort of the layout that God put them in the garden. And this should be our basis, because if you remember, when Jesus, um, when, when he spoke to the Pharisees of the day, and he talked to them, they said, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And what did Jesus do? He goes, yeah, you know, that's in the law. You, you can, you can just put a, he says, nope, from the, have you guys not read the scriptures? From the beginning, it was not so. God made them male and female. And you're not to to tear apart what God has put together. And when you do, you're going to go commit adultery because you're going to go marry somebody else. And then she's going to go commit adultery because she's going to marry somebody else. And you're, you're going to cause everybody to commit adultery in that, except for what is porneia. That's the Greek word that you use there, or sexual immorality. That was, that was the only reason he gave for it. Now, there are some other reasons that we find in the New Testament. Um, abandonment uh, is an issue uh, where the husband just often leaves the wife or whatever the case may be. But he goes right back to the beginning. And so let's go back to the beginning. This is Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to play a couple more things here in just a second. But this is Genesis chapter 2. And um, here's what we see. And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of the Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded, so it's in, this is sort of, there's an expansion going on from what happened in chapter one, because it just says he made male and female. That's what he made in his image. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So God gives his commands to the man, not to the man and woman, but to the man. And it's up to the man to communicate those things to, to his wife. Okay. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs, or literally out of his side, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, this is, this is the original intent God had for man and woman. This right here. They are distinct. They're individuals. They have different roles. And there is a different level of authority there. The man is head over the woman. He is not to lord it over her, but that is his role as protector, provider, instructor, teacher, lover, all of this. There's different roles there, and this is what he's done. And what does Satan come along and do? He wants to distort the natural order of male and female relationships. And you see it throughout Genesis. We're going to take a look here in just a little bit, Genesis 19. You're going to see where men are trying to be with men. You're going to see, uh, well, you go on into Genesis chapter 20, and you see Lot's daughters engaging their father in sexual intercourse because they think they're not going to meet a man because the cities have been destroyed. You, you see where um, um, uh, Judah is messing around with um, uh, his, is it his daughter-in-law, his daughter-in-law, Tamar, and he goes into her. She gets pregnant because none of, you know, she, there's no sons to, that was the culture. There was no, there was none, none of his sons who could come and marry her and give children. So she did with him. And then he's wanting to have her executed because she's a, a prostitute. And she says, well, here's the stuff. Here's the staff and the signet of the guy who's impregnated me. And guess what? It was Judah. And Judah was repentant. He said, she's more righteous than I am. And you, you see it all throughout this, this distortion of the relationship between the male and the female. And that comes out just in the book of Genesis. You can see it all through there. Now, with that said, um, I want to play just this one. I'm going to I'm going to skip some of the others. I'll have them in the archive. There's two or three more videos, but I want to get to the scripture here. But that's really our basis. I meant to actually start off with that. But that's our basis for why we're seeing the things that we're seeing. And again, if you're listening and you're gender confused, if you are sodomite, if you're a lesbian, if you're engaged in any of this stuff, just hear hear me out. Mine is not to beat you up. It is to point you to the truth, though. And I hope that you'll hear it. I hope by God's grace, he'll open your eyes, open your ears, and you'll hear it. But here is a, a report uh, that was put out. Uh, this, was, this was five months ago, actually. And I want you to hear what has to be said. Check this out. 
The official president of the United States has warned the world they will face Armageddon if Russia uses tactical nukes in Ukraine. And when the Russian president said that the use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine is senseless, the Biden administration reversed the no first use and sole purpose policies regarding nuclear warfare, meaning that the U.S. will now consider first strike nuclear attacks against non-nuclear threats. In a surprising break from projection and gaslighting, U.S. Congressman Jamie Raskin recently explained the truth behind the current U.S. policy with Russia. Russia is an Orthodox Christian country with traditional social values. And for that reason, it must be destroyed, no matter what the cost to us. So this is not a conventional war. This is a jihad. Jamie Raskin said that out loud, but many in Washington agree with him. In both parties, they would like to see World War trans immediately. On the surface, that's what this is. World War trans. That is what the United States has become. To the rest of the world, America has become the land of abortions, castrations, death, and lies. Meanwhile, our diesel fuel is set to run out before the winter, and our leadership could care less. What are we doing to increase the supply of diesel, given that the Energy Information Administration said as of October 14th, the U.S. only had about a 25-day supply. You have yeah. the Northeast and, and New York already rationing home heating oil. What are we doing to prepare for the winter and to ramp up supply of diesel? I'll, I'll take the question on the diesel, because I just don't have the, the data on that in front of me. So let me take that, and, and uh, we'll get back to you on that. But. But writ large, the, the president has been working very, very hard uh, to make sure that we're uh, that not only are, are are we ready for fluctuations that could come, and of course the prices are going down, and and we think that's important. Um, the prices uh, are going down. Doing what we can to help our Where European does this guy live? partners who are also going to be facing a long cold winter. We have doubled our commitment. The commitment he made in March for natural gas exports to Europe, we've doubled that commitment. The president has cut off our fuel and given away our emergency reserves. Without diesel fuel, the entire nation comes to a halt. And at this point, nothing is being done to stop it. The problem is at this point, there may not be an answer because there may not be a way to avoid a disaster. Diesel fuel is not just low in this country, it's low in every Western nation that has aligned itself with Ukraine. All these nations preparing for World War trans are running out of diesel fuel. While millions may be scratching their heads over World War trans, too afraid to speak against it. Russian President Vladimir Putin recently explained what it's all about and how Russia has already been there. He said, after the 1917 revolution, the Bolsheviks also said that they would change existing ways and customs, and not just political and economic ones, but the very notion of human morality and the foundations of a healthy society. The destruction of age-old values, religion, and relations between people, up to and including the total rejection of family. All this was proclaimed progress, widely supported around the world back then, and was quite fashionable, same as today. Parent number one and parent number two, birthing parent instead of mother. I repeat, this is nothing new. And they made such a mess, it still makes one shudder at times. President Putin says America should do what they want, but leave Russia out of it. 
they've already been there. And seeing as how Americans have become nothing but submissive spectators, it seems as if the United States will be going there as well, starting this winter. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. All right, so you, you get the idea. <laughs> you got some serious issues going on. And what's come to the forefront? Affirming people in their delusions. Affirming people in their delusions, and not just affirming them in their delusions, but putting a gun to people who actually adhere to natural law and to God's law, and, and putting a gun to their head and say, you must affirm the delusion these people are under, or else. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. So if you were saying, well, wait a minute, we're talking about war in Ukraine, and that's what's going on. They want you to get caught up in these things instead of knowing the truth and standing in that truth and look, even reaching out to rescue those who are under this delusion. How do you reach them, Tim? How are you... Give them the gospel. I mean, my goodness. If you want to see people change, you've got to speak it. How can they believe unless they hear, Paul says? How can they hear unless there's a preacher? How can they do it? They can't. They can't believe. They can't repent. Unless somebody loves them enough to say, look, Whatever happened to you, whatever trauma's gone on, whatever your parents affirmed to you, whatever your school teacher told you, whatever things that you've done to yourself to try to get your fantasy to come true are all lies. All of them are lies. And you must repent. Why? Because God made male and female. He did not make all this other stuff. So hopefully you get the, you get the idea there. I want to play this one right here. You guys have seen it before. This is um, this young lady, uh, Riley Gaines. She's a, a swimming uh, person. She was up against this guy who claimed to be, you know, he's a, claimed to be a girl. He clearly looks like a guy. And, um, and he's winning all these, these things. And so she's speaking out. And so was this other young lady. I'd love to get both of them on the show because I, I think, it ta I'm going to tell you, it's common sense. It would seem, from for my girls, it would just be, it wouldn't be a heroic act to just say, this is crazy, okay? And I don't think it's necessarily a heroic act, but it takes a lot of courage in the face of a media that wants to cut your head off to affirm the people that you're talking about. And this was her, uh, you know, because of what she said about what was going on, that it wasn't fair, it wasn't right. Uh, this is what they did to her. Check this out. Maybe check this out. I'm hitting the play and nothing's coming up on the video. I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, let's give it another shot. Yeah, there it is. So this is the police trying to protect her from this violent mob who's trying to, in essence, get at her. They have so much vitriol and so much anger at her because she spoke out about a guy who says he's a woman so he can he can win at women's sports because he's too much of a sissy to win at male sports. <laughs> 
That's what's going on there. Now, I just want, I want to take you over. Now, you've seen that. Now, this is with a woman, and this is with some of these transdelusional supporters. This is with a woman. But when you look at something like Genesis 19, and we've been down this road before on these passages because I, I think people need to hear them. Look, the transdelusion crowd, the sodomite crowd, the reprobate crowd, they're now going to uh, stating that Genesis 19 isn't about, this isn't about sodomy. And they'll run over to Ezekiel and they say, see, these people were just not being hospitable and stuff. Well, that's not what's going on. And when they say, when the men come in, when the angels come in and the men of the city come and said, bring them out that we may know them. They're saying, well, they just want to make sure they're not spies. Well, that's not what they're, that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing at all. And it's clear from the context. Let's look at some of the, the context here in Genesis 19. And tell me it doesn't sound just like what you just witnessed there with Riley Gaines. Okay, this is Genesis 19. Remember, there's two angels that come down. They had been eating with the Lord with Abraham. Okay, and this is where God gave Abraham the promise that he was going to have uh, Isaac all these things were going to go on. And then the two angels head down towards the land of Sodom. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly. Why did he press upon them? Lot knew what the crowd of men were in Sodom. And he didn't want these guys out there. And they turned into him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and bake unleavened bread. And they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. Just like what you saw here, these, these violent reprobates with Riley Gaines here. They encompassed the house round about, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And that term is an issue of which they want to sodomize them. They're not in, look, sodomites are not engaged in sexual intercourse. They're engaged in sodomy. There is a distinction. We need to be careful that we distinguish those things. They're not engaged in sex. Sex is short for sexual intercourse. They're engaged in sodomy. Okay? Sexual intercourse is something intimate between a man and a woman that will or, or has the potential to produce children. It is children, when you see children in a family, it is a result of the one flesh bond and love between the man and his wife. That's what that is. You don't get that from sodomites. You don't get it from lesbians. You don't. And Lot went out to the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. And all the guys who are saying, well, this is about not being hospitable and all this kind of stuff. Look at how Lot, look at how Lot speaks to them. Does this sound like this is an issue of hospitality? Behold now, I have two daughters. He sees their men. I have two daughters, which have not known man. They're virgins. See, this is of the sexual nature that he's presenting. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Now, Lot 
Although he's said to have a righteous soul, it's been vexed and it's right. God says he's righteous three times. I think it's over in in 2 Peter. The fact of the matter is, he is not a very good father. You do what's good in your eyes. Well, that's evil. They're going to be doing what's evil to them. Only unto these men do nothing. He thought he was really, you know, honoring God by not letting the angels uh, defend themselves and give his daughters out. For therefore, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fella came in to sojourn and he will needs to be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The only, the only thing that smiting them with blindness was, was make their lust increase to try to find the door handle to get in. And that's what they're filled with. They're not filled with love. They're filled with lust. And there's a difference. And they smote the men that were at the door. Okay, they did that. And then the men said unto Lot, this is verse 12, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now, we read that eventually the angels are able to get Lot and his wife and his daughters out. We know that Lot's wife turned back and looked at the city, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Later on, Lot and his daughters get in the cave, and that whole story goes on in the next chapter. But the fact of the matter is, is these were wicked men driven by their lusts. Let me tell you something, friends. You don't need the devil. You don't need demons. You, you don't need them to make people evil. You know, we use the term demonic or satanic to describe these outrageous things that men do. Let me, let me tell you something. Are you listening? Men do that stuff just fine on their own. James says that we're led away by our own lusts. And when we submit to that, we commit sin. And then when sin is full born, what do we get? Death. Men don't have to have demons or Satan inside them in order to engage in sodomy, lesbianism, transdelusionalism, murder, cannibalism, child pornography, child rape. They don't have to have any of that. They can do it just fine on their own. This is why man is not basically good. And I'm going to tell you, those who reject original sin, and there's been a lot of people who reject it, reject it not understanding that the fact of the matter is all of us were in Adam. That's what Paul says. Just like he said that Levi was in Abraham and gave tithes to Melchizedek. He's giving a, an illustration that they were in him. We're in Adam. And Adam fell in sin. And, it's, and the fall sounds like it was an accident. It wasn't. Adam knew exactly what he was doing. The Bible says that women should not be teachers in the church. Why? Because they were deceived. But the man wasn't deceived. The man just said, I'll just go along with you, honey. I know what God said, but I'll just go along with you because 
you know, I love you so much, whatever. And we are in Adam. We are depraved. The Reformed doctrines that were brought out of the Reformation cause it total depravity. Doesn't mean that all men are as bad as they can be. It just means that the fall, the sin of Adam, brought, corrupted us at our core. It corrupted our thinking. It corrupted our emotions and desires. It corrupted our physical bodies. There's nothing that sin didn't touch inside of man. Nothing. And this is why we need a Savior from sin, because we cannot save ourselves. It has killed us. We are dead in our sins. Ephesians chapter 2. And don't think for a minute it isn't in children. And I know some people misquoted me, put words in my mouth, liars that they are that have not repented, and they need repentance, who say, well, you're just saying all babies. No, I said all babies are under sin. Why do babies die? Ask yourself that. Why do, why do men die? Why do children die? They die because of sin. That's what the scripture says. If there was no sin, nobody would be dying. And yet people want to whitewash that and think man is better than he is. He is not. And you're seeing the evidence of it all around. When people abandon the law of God and the commands of God, when they abandon that, God said he will turn that nation into hell. And you're seeing it here in the United States. The United States is being turned into hell, not because Joe Biden's president. They're being turned into hell because wicked men are being allowed to carry on. And there's no justice brought against them. I could point to Judges chapter 19 and 20. I'm not going to do that, but it's a very, it, it reads almost similarly. We, we covered this in the two examples of how justice was delivered. One by God, one by men. Genesis 19 is the judgment of God. It's God's hand on it all over. In Genesis 19, it's God's judgment, but he's using the hand of man in it. And it's almost a similar, similar kind of scenario. So how do we deal with this, this issue of transdelusion? God says this, Deuteronomy 22, 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for they that do so are abomination to the Lord. Tim, were you saying I'm an abomination? No, God said you were. You know, the one that you try to hide behind saying that he loves you just the way you are, doing that kind of stuff? No, he says that you're an abomination. You go to Leviticus 20, verse 13, and it says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Leviticus 18, 23. And you wonder, why am I saying this? I'll tell you. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. It is confusion. Why are you bringing up beasts? Because we have people who are spending ridiculous amounts of money, not only to mutilate their bodies, but even to look like dogs and cats and all this other kind of stuff too. 
and actually engaging animals in some form of what was referred to as buggery, or it would be tied in with sodomy. And if you didn't know, under the great usurper-in-chief Barack Hussein Obama Satoru Sabarka, they took out the issue of adultery within the military, and when they took it out, they also took out the reference to bestiality too. And listen to me very carefully. Republicans and the Republican log cabin and Donald Trump with his Mar-a-Lago stuff for the transgenders and all this other stuff, and people say, well, that didn't happen. I I've sent numerous links to show where the reports were, where they, where he's done it. He's opened up his place down in Miami to do that too. All of these things are going on and they're a result of God's judgment on a people that simply will not stand up and will not bring justice against the guilty. They've been neutered by the modern day church that says politics is not part of what the church is involved in. Let me tell you something, friend. The church is to be involved where the law is. They're to be holding forth the light. What is the light? Well, it's Jesus Christ, of course. But what is he the embodiment of? Does he not say, all written in Moses? What is that? That's the law, isn't it? The Psalms and the prophets, what, what are they communicating? The law? We're to be holding forth the law and exposing their sin, and then we're to hold forth the gospel to that law that saves men from their sin. If you don't hold forth the law, you cannot hold forth the gospel. Isaiah said if they don't point back to the law and to the prophets, there is no light in them. So if you've got a preacher that wants to stay away from the law, and not use it to identify the problem that man has, kind of like a doctor does, you don't have a foundation for giving the gospel. You just don't have one. And what you're going to do is you're going to give people a schmooze over. That's my word. You're going to schmooze them over, make them feel good in their sin, just tack a little Jesus on here, get your get-out-of-hell-free card, and that's what you do instead of calling men to repent and live before the king. Got the music here a little loud. Sorry about that. I forgot to hit the uh, lowering things down. We're going to continue just a little bit because I, I want to finish up these last couple of verses here. Uh, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, BeforeSnews.com. Catch Bradley at 3, and then Lord willing, we're going to see you back here bright and early in the morning, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. All right. want to welcome everybody coming over from... Um, Red State Talk Radio, and we're going to go right back to this, okay? Now, I, I say this about bestiality. I kind of threw that in there because, again, I, I think I made mention of this before on the show. And that is that uh, a friend of mine that I used to work with, um, he had taken and he took a, oh, a writing by R.L. Dabney. He was a Presbyterian preacher back in the War of Northern Aggression time, 1850s, 1860. He, he wrote, as far as I'm concerned, he wrote the definitive biography on Stonewall Jackson. And uh, one of the things he was talking about was women's suffrage and the problem that that was going to bring about. For those of you who don't know what suffrage is, it has nothing to do with suffering, it has to do with voting. That women had the right to vote. 
And there's a whole argument for that. We could probably do a show just on that. Um, that the men, they love their wives, they love their daughters. And so why do you need the woman and everybody else voting in the house? The man's going to vote for your best interests. He's got to care for you. He's going to do that. But this was this was a sneaky way of Satan coming in and doing the roles, changing up the authorities and the roles in between man and woman, just like he did in the garden. Okay. And one of the things he did was he was talking about women's suffrage. And we so we took it out and we put in wherever women's suffrage was mentioned, we put in sodomite marriage, which doesn't exist, despite what they say. And we concluded that, you know, a Republican Party at that time would not would begin to defend this. And they have been. Many of them have been defending the sodomite marriage. The longer it goes on, the longer it's tolerated, the more it gets seeped into the culture. Right. And then we ended by saying they're going to, in essence, die on the hill of defending bestiality. It's coming. It's coming. I'm not a prophet or son of a prophet. I'm just telling you this is the way man works. They'll event, those who claim they're the good guys will eventually begin to embrace those who have who commit buggery with animals. They'll eventually begin to do it. You watch and see. Watch and see. Because if it's not stopped, it will continue on this road, and man will begin to show more and more of his depravity. Okay? We have it again, uh, the same passage, Leviticus 20:15. If a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast too. And I could read you, and I have read on air one account, uh, I think he was a teenage boy, like 16 years old, during if you get the book On Plymouth Plantation by William Bradford, it's his diary of when they came to the New World and they were settling and, and things, you'll read about the death of this young man because he had engaged in buggery with a whole boatload of farm animals. And before they hung him, they killed all the animals in front of him. And then they hung him. He confessed to the crime. And, uh, and they did it. And you go, well, that's terrible. You know, I've heard people say that we, we, we used to have a guy, I don't know if he's still on the radio anymore, but at least when I worked, he was over in Charlotte. He was the guy he he designated himself as the guy who came up for two for a dollar thing. If you can even believe that existed, it's hard to do that. We were looking at gas prices of what they used to be in 2014. It was like 98 cents a gallon. Anyway, uh, he would he came up with the motto for the uh, golden arches of the two for two bucks or whatever it was. And um, I remember he got on the show one day and he was talking and he was reading this story out of Wilmington, North Carolina, in which. A, a man had abandoned his wife and started, you know, messing around with this other woman. He was committing adultery. And so he came in and, well, uh, let me, let me answer that. Feely, uh, you, you've got a, you've got an answer there. What I'm talking about is the natural man is like that. For the believer, what's happened to them? The Bible says, all things have become new, right? Isn't that what it says? Now, is that true or is it not true? You're a new creation in Christ. Now, if you're if you're an unbeliever, you're still going. Man is still going to do what's in his interest. Okay, that's what they're going to do. So, if you have wicked men, what are they going to do? They're going to promote things that are lawless. So they're going to go into their their situation of looking what's best for them. 
like the transdelusionals, like the sodomites, like the thieves, like the murderers. If they can get something on their interest, they're going to do that. What we're talking about is godly man. I'm sorry. Thank, I, I want to clarify that. That's a good question. That's a good question. But if you're a godly man and you love your wife and you love your kids, are you going to vote for what's in their best interest? Because that's going to be in your best interest, right? Do you understand? Does that make sense? Is that a good answer for what's going on? You let me know. If I need to go a little further, I'll do that. Be glad to do that. But I'm talking about godly men. Uh, I'm not talking about those who remain in their sins. Does that answer your question? Just give me a yes or a no, or if I need to go on, I can do that as well. Um, and I'll, look, I'll try to look for your answer in the midst of it. I'm glad I saw that here. So why is all of this going on? And what is the remedy to it, Tim? I mean, you've, you've read from the law of God. And God says, what about these people? They're an abomination. And they should be put in jail. Is that what he says? They should be fined. Is that what he says? They should do community service. Is that what, they, is that what he says? No. He says they should be put to death. They should be put to death. Well, Tim, you're just bloodthirsty. You just want you just want to kill the gays. No. I want them to do what God says, and that's repent. I want them to repent. But what's hard to understand about that? I don't want them to face the wrath of man any more than I want them to face the wrath of God. The justice of man or the justice of God. I don't want them to face it. So repent. That is the message. And Paul had dealt with this. Remember, we read in Corinthians that he said, such were some of you. You came out of it. You were washed. You were cleansed in the blood of Christ. You're not that anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, you either believe that or you don't believe it. It's one or the other. And I'll guarantee you for the sodomite, for the lesbian, for the, all the other letters that come in there, if they're converted, that is one of the first things God puts their finger on because that's how they're living their life out in the open. And he'll, he'll bring them to repentance if it's genuine. If, he, if they've really been born again, there will be a genuine repentance there. But let's look at what Paul says about these things from Romans chapter 1. And let's look at how he builds up to it. Romans chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which is made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So he's laying out the gospel here of who Christ is by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also called the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Isn't that interesting? You know, in Scripture, uh, the book of Colossians, it, it lays out that the gospel had already been preached to every creature under heaven. That was in the first century, by the way. So any of these prophecy uh, gurus out there who say, well, 
The, the gospel has got to be preached to every creature. It was already done in the first century. Already done. And here, Paul says of the Roman Christians, he said, your faith has been heard throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, verse 9, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making a request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end, ye may be established. So he has a heart for them that they not just be converted, but they grow. They have a foundation, which is Christ, but he wants the edifice to be built up in what God has given us in his word. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me, now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. What's, what's he indebted to them? To give them the gospel. For what God has done for him, he wants to, in turn, give the gospel of God in order that, in, or in hopes that, God might do for them what he did for the Apostle Paul. So as much as is in me, as, as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now stop and think about that a second. If you're not believing, is the gospel powerful to you unto salvation? Nope. You have to believe. You must believe. And you're at the mercy of God to grant you true saving faith. You don't have it in you. Man has faith in himself, which is destruction. And then he says it's to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, what is that communicating to us? When we say we live by faith, are we talking about, well, there was one time I had this, this encounter with God and I was born again. Is that what we're talking about? No. Faith, the faith, the faith, the faith, the faith. And he's quoting Old Testament, by the way, when he says that. And so what's he saying? He's saying we are demonstrating our faith by our actions. Faith, to, do we believe God in this area? Then we obey him in this area. Do we believe God in this area? Then we obey him in this area. Do we believe God in this area? We obey him in this area. It's the same argument that James gives when he says that when he says faith without works uh, is dead. And he says we're not justified by our faith alone. He's not making a counter argument against Paul who says we are justified by faith alone. What he's saying is faith does not remain alone. Show me your faith by your deeds. You say you have faith, but you're living like you lived before. No, no, no. If you have real faith, demonstrate it by the deeds that you do. Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. There were no deeds there. He just believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. And then later on, when God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him to me. Abraham said, yes, Lord, and went and did it. Or was intent on doing it. And God provided a ram for him to take the place of his son, to die in his place, a fantastic picture of what the Lord Jesus does. 
because the fact of the matter is you and I deserved to be nailed to the cross, beaten to a bloody pulp, have the crown of thorns put on our head, spit in our face, beaten, punched and smacked, beat with a, 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 a cat of nine tails to rip the skin and muscle and everything else from our flesh. And to die a cruel death as a criminal. And yet, Jesus stepped into place, in our place, those of us who believe, and he gave his life in our place. That is the good news. The good news is not about how good you are. It's about how good God is in sending his son to save sinners such as us. Okay? So Paul goes on, and he says this, verse 18. And he, he talks about it. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, the just shall live by faith, all this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead are, look, even the natural man can understand his eternal power and Godhead. They can see the wrath of God revealed from heaven against unrighteousness. They can see it so that they're without excuse. But that's only enough to damn them. And then look at what it says here. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now, stop and think about that a second. This is why you can never let somebody who claims to be an atheist or an agnostic sit in that situation. You go, nope, that's not what you are. You know there's a God. You just don't want to honor him as God. And I don't care what they tell you. You hold fast to what the Bible says. And I'm telling you, if you have a discussion with somebody, and you keep your cool in it because it's going to try you. Hold fast and you let them know, if I leave my foundation, I have nothing to argue for, with you about. I got no footing to do that. And the Bible says that you know God is there. You just don't want to honor him as that. And I'll, I'll guarantee you nine times out of ten, if not all ten, after a few times of really pressing that in, the person will say, well, I hate God because, and they'll start listing stuff. My mom was taken from me. I was beaten as a child. I was raped. The, you know, the, the list goes on of things of which men get mad at God for when they should be angry with another man for whatever they did, or a woman. I've had it over and over. I've seen it over and over and over and over. And I'm telling you what, I think I've told you guys on, on the radio here, that movie God's Not Dead with uh, Kevin Sorbo and the other kid from, I forget what he was, he was in a Disney thing or something too. But when they got to the climax where he's pushing the professor there, you guys have seen it, this climax where he's pushing him and Kevin Sorbo is just ready to unload of why he hates God and this, that, and the other. I just paused the, I paused the movie. My family is sitting around me in this room that we're in, which is now our dining room. It's now our living room's upstairs, but it was our living room before. And I said, I'll bet he's going to push this and the guy's just going to start spilling the beans on why he doesn't like God. 
and I push the play button and he starts unloading and all my kids are looking at me and I pause it again. I said, I've dealt with some of these people before. And I said, I always tell them, okay, good. Now that you've told me why you're angry with God, that's a good, it's a good thing in the sense that they're no longer under the delusion. Okay. They're speaking with their mouth, how they're perceiving things. And they've already identified they do believe in God, which the scripture says they do. And so I go on to say, the problem is you're blaming God for all these things when it's wicked men who are doing them. And not only that, but you fail to see the goodness of God. You know, the Bible says that we not only have to believe that he is but that he's also a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so that's where I build it from. If you're going to tell me these things, all right, let's, cl let's clear that up. It's wicked men. Why are you mad at God? Because you're a rebel. Because you're angry with God. And if you don't repent, guess what happens? Romans chapter 1, verse 23. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made into like, uh, like to corruptible man, to birds, to four-footed beasts, and to creeping things. You become an idolater. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this cause... God gave them up into vile affections. They were in rebellion against God, and God said, okay, have it your way. Go on out there. Destroy yourselves in your sin. For even their women did it change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. But that's not all. You know, a lot of guys will go here and they'll just talk about the sodomy and the lesbianism here, and that's a part of it. But you notice there was idolatry, right? And then he says this. There's a whole slew of things that God turns men over to. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they wanted him out. And boy, you see that in this crowd now. They do not want... We, we had the chick who's allegedly an ordained minister in a Presbyterian church, I think it was, out in Arizona. You remember that, that lady last week? She was caught on camera. She was going around taking Bibles and hiding them that were in the lounge there for the uh, senators and representatives. And she's hiding them. And then she got up and said, oh, you know, forgive me. Uh, you know, I didn't mean this, that, and the other. And she tries to tell you, no, she hates God. She is, an, she is one of those angels of light. She hates God. Why in the world would you hide a Bible? Why would you do that? And when she got caught, she tries to play it off as, oh, you know, I'm repentant. No, she's not repentant. She's sorry she got caught. Back to Romans 1. They didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. It's a backwards, worthless, unproductive mind. To do those things which are not convenient, being, watch this, being filled with all unrighteousness, 
fornication, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is sexual, any kind of sexual relations outside of the marriage covenant. Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. All of these things are the result of God turning these people over. All of these. It isn't just it isn't just sodomy or lesbianism. It's all of this stuff. Why? Because it's in the heart of man. It's why man's heart has to be changed. And the only person who can change it, the only person who can do the heart transplant, is Jesus himself. So, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. And this is New Testament, by the way. So you people who say the death penalty is over, no, that's not it. And I'm not advocating for D.C. to be putting anybody to death, nor the state, for that matter. They're corrupt and wicked. Okay? They know the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them, that do them. They have pleasure in them that do them. And what are we seeing today? You can have people shot at a, a, a church school by a person who is under the trans delusion and the puppet press secretary who doesn't seem to know much about anything can come on and say, the trans community is under attack. That is a reprobate mind. That is a reprobate mind. So what's the remedy, Tim? What is the remedy? Well, you've got two ways of going about this. The first one is to use the gospel. Our weapons of warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God and the tearing down of strongholds. Now, what is it talking about there? The strongholds that are built in people's minds. And different people have different strongholds in their minds. Ultimately, they're not there to uphold God's law. They're not up here. They're there to honor God. So they have to be torn down. How does that happen? In the presentation of the gospel. And as God is merciful to whom he will have mercy, that bondage will be broken. The stronghold will come down. That person will be repentant. They will believe what the words of the Lord. Or there's the dealing with them through the judicial system. And I'm just telling you right now, when you go to Judges chapter 19 and 20, you don't see this conveyance of, you know, some kind of hierarchy of government. You see men who knew what the law of God was. They got the message and they came out and they said, you guys bring us the guys who did this deed. Or we're going to bring the same thing on you for harboring them. That they deserve. 
my friend Bill, uh, he gave something some time back. And, you know, on a, on a personal level, like I said, I my hope is, is that men would repent. Mine isn't to see bloodshed. It isn't to see any of that kind of stuff. But Bill sent me this, uh, this little meme that he had made some time back. And uh, I'm just going to show you guys on the screen. Seven obvious lessons from Nashville. Now listen, listen to this. I don't want you to contemplate this. Okay. Number one, we're in a war between vile and violent insanity that results from unrestrained human autonomy and the life, liberty, and love that comes through submission to God and the application of biblical ethics. Do you understand that? This is not about right against left. It's not about Republican against Democrat. It's not about you know, whatever your paradigm is that you're going to throw in here, conservative and liberal. It's not, it's not that. This is about those who either want life, liberty, and love that comes through the submission to God and what he has said, and those who, are, who have unrestrained human autonomy, as he puts it here, or they think they're their own gods and they do what's right in their own eyes. That's what the battle is right here, okay? That's what the battle is. Number two, the strategy of those in rebellion against God is the perversion or destruction or subversion of everything good, holy, or right. Is that true or not? Yes, it is. We just read it in Romans 1. Number three, war means fighting, and fighting means either destroying evil or enduring the tragic death of the virtuous. Wow, stop and think about that. Are you in the good fight of faith? Or are you watching as the virtuous are destroyed? Number four, making good people helpless does not make bad people harmless, which is exactly what the United States government is doing and has been doing for decades. If you desire peace, train for war. Number five, when seconds count, the police will be there in minutes. Number six, Justice does not consist of virtuous people dying for their cause, but of the wicked dying for theirs. Did you get that? Justice does not consist of virtuous people dying for their cause, but of the wicked dying for theirs. There's a Forget that that film. It was like a war film or whatever. And the guy says, you know, your thing is, and he uses some choice language in it, but it is for the other people. Um, you know, it's make the other guy die for his country, not you die for yours. And I, I agree with that. That's what that's the whole point, right? And then seven, glorifying God means good triumphing over evil. Good triumphing over evil. And today we have people that think it's virtuous if we just don't do anything and let evil run right over us and our children and our neighbors and everything else. They think there's some kind of virtue in that. Not standing up to it, just being quiet. There's not. There's no virtue in that. That's called cowardice. And the Bible tells us that cowards are the first ones to find themselves in a lake of fire, right? Cowardice is not a good thing either. So there is a remedy to all of this. If the people who name God's name will quit taking his name in vain and they'll live according to what God has commanded them, 
we might start seeing a change turn around. But too often, they're the ones who, they name the name of Christ, and then they go and live like the world. You can't do that. You've got to be repentant too. And if you name the name of Christ, just understand, if you're doing that, remember that commandment. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So first, the church has, the ecclesia, the people of God, they have to be repentant first. And then they must go do the work that God has given them. They're going to have to expose the evil. They're going to have to be a part of the solution in bringing these people to justice. The people are, if they want to see that. And if you want to start an, your own subculture in your area to do it, more power to you. I'm with you on it. There's a lot where I'm just sick of dealing with the reprobates in government. The people just start setting up their own local governments and govern according to the law of God, not the laws of man. We don't need them. We can govern according to what God has given us in his law. Simple as that. Simple as that in our own area. But sadly, too, pe too many people are busy with just themselves and they won't get out and do it. And while that's going on, the enemy is coming in like a flood. God, raise up a standard against it. You said you would. Send us men. Send us godly men who understand these things, who don't wallow in their sin and don't grieve. Just they're constantly in their sin. But those who are leaving their sin and hold the banner high and push the crown rights of King Jesus to every creature under heaven and to every nation on the face of the earth and to every person who seeks to usurp the lordship of Jesus Christ. There's your remedy. Are you doing that? Is that what you're doing? Or is your remedy voting? Because you see where that's getting you. Is your remedy waiting on the next election? Or is it in the new day that God has given us where his mercies are new every day and we take forth the king's message to the people so that they won't be destroyed? I'll leave you with that. Bradley, be with you at 3 Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then in the morning, we'll be back with you, Lord willing, 6 a.m. bright and early. Talk to you then. See ya.